Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. goals. Hello. Hello. Thank you for welcoming me. This is Mary, and I will be leading us today through the novel The Memory Police by Yoko Agawa. Yay. Mm-hmm. But to start us off, in the theme of the novel, what would you be happiest to see disappear from your life mysteriously? Um, who's going first? I'll go first. I, uh, I was having a hard time thinking of a thing because um, there are so many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that's uh, my problem too. But to to just choose something simple, I would say Facebook. <laughs> that seems like a waste of you could you could make anything disappear. And like, what is Facebook like? I know you don't like Facebook, but it's not like you have to go on Facebook every day. But so many of the other things I thought of making disappear like made stuff complicated. In other ways. And so I was like, well, what are the consequences of me making this thing disappear? You know? How is student debt complicated? I don't have any student debt. But what about everybody else? I'm talking, this is my life. (laughs) Oh, see, I was thinking about it. Like, not for the greater good of the world. It was like, you heard (laughs) it. Like, I guess I just, like, when I saw it, I was just thinking about, like, what would be good for me and, like, everyone else. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and that, that wouldn't do anything for would. me. It would just be a yeah. generous gift to everyone else. And I'm not that generous. <laughs> Instead, Facebook. Yeah. Mm. Facebook might help everybody else. Yeah. It probably wouldn't hurt anyone. If it disappeared. It would also eliminate a lot of um, the terrible, like, mass, you know, fake news that gets spread through Facebook. Yeah, I mean, but we still have Twitter. Yeah, but Facebook is where all the old people are. True. Yeah. Who who read that stuff directly from, from Facebook. Mm-hmm. Ooh, speaking of Facebook and, like, pissing off old people, I think the thing I would choose is guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ooh, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. And that is for the greater good, that's not just for one. me, because I don't have a gun. Yeah. And then, like, nobody would have a gun. There would be no question. Yeah. I know. And then, like, we could stop having this discussion. Wow, that's so yeah. good, Susan. Yeah. I wish I had thought Thank of you. that one. I thought of a lot of dumb things. I... So, this is Emily. Originally, I was going to go with student debt. And I Which was is thinking good. about it. It would be a good one. However, you know, I was thinking more about it because, like, then I got on this whole thing of, like, well, you know, like, as I was mentioning earlier, like, well, I want to pick something that would be not only good for me, but just, like, good for, like, the world at large. And I'm like, well, student debt would be good, but I feel like, you know, like, that's not the biggest problem right now. Um, so I think I would, mm-hmm. uh, make Donald Trump disappear because people disappear. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. 
<laughs> so I mean, like because yeah. because people dis- get disappeared. Um. So that would be good. I think. Well, I was thinking like earlier when I was trying to think of things, I was like, I could say like Republicans, but <laughs> that might just be too many people to be disappeared, you know? There, there, there are Republicans I love in my it life. It wouldn't solve the problems yeah. either. I mean, I don't have any Republicans in my life that I love, but I respect that other people do have Republicans that they love. I do. My whole family would be gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of us would lose our families. <laughs> I, al- I also considered men, and then I was like, well, then, you know, people who actually have nice men in their lives would lose them. Yeah, please don't do that. Thank yeah. you. Wow, I really was thinking in terms of objects and not entire groups of people. <laughs> I, okay, mine, this is Mary again. Mine was chewing gum. <laughs> Whoa. Girl, I, really, I kind of like that. Really hate I do too. I didn't know you also hated it. I really hate it. That's yeah, I hate it. I don't like to hear people chew it. <laughs> yeah, and like, don't, don't offer it to me. I don't want it. Yeah, ever. I agree. I don't like chewing gum. It makes it makes you gassy. Um, it's bad for your mouth. Mm, it's just bad. Don't do it. Also, it's yeah. like no I, one ever gracefully chews chewing gum. Ooh, I have a good one. It's, or, wait, it's fine. Is this like, like a, you know, if people like it, it's fine. But like, I would we all hate it. chewing gum, or Kelly, are you the outlier? Um, I don't, I don't chew chewing gum, but I wouldn't say I hate it. Okay. I, I'm kind of like neutral. I was just gonna say like, like that would be that kind of amazing gum. if we all hated chewing gum. It would be. <laughs> if we became then an anti-chewing gum. We agree on a thing podcast. to disappear, <laughs> and it would be. That's the only thing we can agree on. I think we can agree on Donald Trump. Guns, Donald Trump. Guns. Well, the only problem with disappearing Donald Trump is like then there's still all the other people. Yeah, that but will just take I don't. Place. I don't think that. Like, no, I really did think about this a lot today. I don't think that the people underneath Donald Trump would have as much power as they do right now without Donald Trump. Like, you take away but Donald Trump. would those people be the memory police? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Not if they get disappeared. More likely, we wouldn't get any say in what disappeared. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is if It would I be stuff that we wanted police. to keep. But if it was chewing gum, <laughs> we'd all be cool with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, when... The- All right, so it's settled, chewing gum. Yeah. Wait. In the book, when <laughs> she was done. like, all the roses disappeared, I was like, okay, I don't really care about that, but... <laughs> what about The Bachelor cares? How is The Bachelor going to live without roses? They'll just pick a different <gasps> I flower I did not to even use. think about that, but Will you accept so this too? What a great time to promo our recaps. Sounds <laughs> same. <laughs> I would love that. Would you accept this tulip? Will you accept this Will daisy? Will you accept daisy? this wad of chewing gum? No. Instead? <laughs> No, mm. never. Will you accept this uh, gun? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, surprised Yikes. that's not what it is. I mean, a lot of the demographic would be into that, so. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you can't tell yet, The Memory Police is a novel about things disappearing. I have a summary from Goodreads. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. It's not bad. Oh. On, on an unnamed island off an unnamed coast... Objects are disappearing. First hats, then ribbons, birds, roses, until things become much more serious. Most of the island's inhabitants are oblivious to these changes, while those few imbued with no power to recall the lost objects... No power to recall the lost <laughs> Does that make sense? With, no. <laughs> while those few imbued, those with, few no imbued power with no power to, to recall, recall the lost, lost objects... objects. 
live in fear of the draconian memory police who are committed to ensuring that what has disappeared remains forgotten. When a young woman who is struggling to maintain her career as a novelist discovers that her editor is in danger from the memory police, she concocts a plan to hide him beneath the floorboards. As fear and loss close in around them, they cling to her writing as the last way of preserving the past. I have to say that that says wiring, not writing. And I wonder if that was a typo from Goodreads. Oof. Probably. It's I'm glad does. that you read that as writing and not wiring because writing makes a I lot know. more sense. Too. But I really had to point it out because it... Um, that I mean, this description does get at the heart of the novel, though. Yes. And that is the basic premise. If that premise sounds interesting to you, please go read The Memory Police and pause this now and come back when you are done. Because we're going to spoil it. From here on out, there could be spoilers. There will be. Just as a warning. Um, that being said, I don't know how spoilery this book oh, is, yeah. which is something we can <laughs> talk about. A little context, because this was interesting to me, and we were kind of, we mentioned this at the end of the last episode, but we were kind of confused because, Kelly, you said you had seen the cover of this book and been like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And also old. Yeah. And yet it was like not on sale yet. Yeah. And it was confusing. The novel was published in 1994 in Japan. I believe the cover is new. Yes. Also. Yes. But the novel is not new. It's been around since 1994 in Japan, but it's only just been translated into English for a wider audience. Um, and it seems like, from everything I could read, it seems like the person who translates Yoko Agawa's novels just, like, goes through and is like, I think this one needs to be translated. <laughs> And picks and chooses. So this was just the next one that they picked. Uh, Some context that was interesting to me is Yoko Ogawa has said in an interview with the New York Times, which we can link in the show notes, that she was heavily inspired by the diary of Anne Frank and authoritarian government. She talked about how when she was a child, she would um, read the diary of Anne Frank and she would like hide in the closet while she was reading it so she could really feel the experience of hiding and feeling in danger. Also, and this is just a fun tidbit that blew my mind, Yoko Ogawa's husband did not know she was an author until she won a major literary prize. <laughs> he was just like, I'm going to work. And then she would spend all day she writing. She was writing a novel, got her novel published, received critical acclaim, <sighs> And then when she won an award, he was like, wait, you wrote a book? <laughs> so she was writing under her actual name, right? I think he just so. just wasn't paying attention to her. Wow. wow. He just, like, he went to work every day and she yeah. didn't make a big deal. Yeah, I wonder if they're divorce. still married. Super divorce. <laughs> I hope not for her sake. <laughs> maybe she, wa- maybe she liked it that way. What's, I, I mean, I think she made it sound like in the interview she was... Truly just, like, wanting to write for herself, and it wasn't important to her what others thought about her writing. She just loved writing. But to me, I'm like, if your husband comes home from work and doesn't ask you once what you did all day. Right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. It's weird, bad. too, that she would never mention it, I guess. Yeah. I feel like if I write an email, I'm like, Justin, guess what I did today? <laughs> I so, know. Maybe that's I will maybe go that's through my problem. day in a list. Like... <laughs> I wrote some emails. <laughs> I ate some eggs for breakfast. Yeah, to give you the play-by-play. I... Play. 
Yes. Certainly, if I published a novel, that would be on my list of things I did today. Like things to talk to my husband about. Yeah. So the novel is kind of like the Memory Police is several things at once. It's a novel about an authoritarian government that's never named and we don't know much about. It's a novel about a woman uh, hiding someone in her house. And it's also a novel with another novel inside it. Yes. It's kind of got a novel within a novel thing going on. But the weirdest thing about the entire thing to me, maybe not weirdest, but um, sort of most noticeable thing about the novel for me was everything was completely anonymous. They never said where it was. Taking like an island, mm-hmm. just an island, some island <laughs> that gets cut off from everything else. It never gets named. There are no uh, environmental factors that key us into where it is. None of the characters are named. I find it interesting that the, the editor, dog the dog is named. The dog gets a name, and the editor is named R instead of. But that's uh, which isn't a yeah, name, editor. But it's interesting that she wouldn't have just referred to him as the editor throughout, because she refers to the mm-hmm. old man as the old man throughout. You know, that's true. Mm. Um, I guess I'm thinking about like how does the setting affect the way we view the novel. Um, I think that the fact that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a specific distinctive setting gives it that quality of a fable or a fairy tale almost. For sure. Um, And the same thing goes for the characters who don't necessarily have, like, distinctive personality traits or, like, you know, we don't get, like, a real good sense of what they look like. It's just kind of, like... Everything is, like, a stand-in for an idea, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Thanks! <laughs> yes. Cool. Cool. Next <laughs> right. point. Yeah. I thought you were talking about, like, I mean, it's somewhere in Japan, right? right? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I'm assuming it's somewhere in Japan or near Japan. I mean, they use Japanese words for things. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, the only... Thing that even like clues you in that it could be it, it, a part of Japan is like the discussion of the music box and like pronouncing a yeah. Japanese word. Right. But, Which, you know, um, I, I don't know if the author wrote that intending it to be like, this takes place in Japan or if she just wrote it like, I live in Japan. I'm I'm Japanese. Like I'm, I'm writing, writing this in Japanese. As, I'm writing this in Japanese. Right. This is what I yeah. know. Or, you know. The translator if, though must have meant it that way because there yeah. are other objects right. that she learns the name of that are only given... English names. Right. Like, I, I mean, that could be a choice on the translator's part. Yeah. To some extent. Or I guess there's some things that you would just, uh, like, that maybe Yoko Ogawa took for granted. Like, uh, there's a candy that has disappeared. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're sharing it. And the word for the candy is Japanese. Right. But, like, in Japan, if it's a common candy... Yeah, like, ev- everyone would know it. You know, it would be like I said, Snickers yeah. disappeared. She might not have been thinking while she was writing it, like, what if someone in another country is reading this, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. But also... Because, again, yeah. she writes for herself. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, so, like, I was... Although, like, I, it was hard not to think of it as being Japanese because there also is something very Japanese about, like, the 
the way that and again this comes down to translation too but like the the items that are described and like when you're mad when she's talking about even the food that is being placed out and it's it'll be you know like a a small white plate with a a small slice of cake with buttery icing just like these really sort of simple like dishes and and things that are described in a way that you can just imagine that like pure like clean looking japanese aesthetic in the way that the things are described Mm -hmm. i also in the in speaking about the writing like it does seem like a very japanese novel to me too not that i'm an expert on japanese writing but just like uh sort of like a reflection on nature and setting in a way that's like simultaneously kind of sparse Mm -hmm. and really descriptive at the same time yeah uh, to me, like, any time a setting was described, I knew exactly what was meant, but it didn't go on for pages and pages. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that makes sense at all. I have to draw the comparison to another novel that I love, Annihilation. <laughs> okay. I just, it just made me, this made me think have of Annihilation. Have you read other novels? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I just want... I, all right, I'm I'm, I'm gonna go with you on this journey, but I'm not seeing the connection. I just just naturally. So like, I think not naming any of your characters mm. and being non-specific about setting can go one of two ways. So like, Annihilation is the same thing in terms of not naming characters, and I felt like sort of a kinship with these characters, right? We're all just going out to maybe die. Maybe. No need to name us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in The Memory Police, I felt like not naming the characters, not sort of getting more details about them, put up a barrier between me and the novel. Like, I was reading it, Mm. and I was enjoying seeing what was happening, but I never felt connected in any way to what was going on. Huh. Or sort of, like, close to the That's action. interesting because you mentioned, I mean, like, it seems like a big deal for you that nobody was named. Um, that didn't really ever stand out to me. Like, I didn't even think about it as I was reading it. Um, I don't know if it's, again, like, I know we talk a lot about the experience of audio versus reading it and how that changes um and I, I don't know. I, I know Susan and I listened to the audiobook, so I don't know if that affects. I mean, because I guess with an audiobook, you are hearing somebody say the words, and that connects you to that person in some way if they're doing a good job. Especially if it's first which, person, um, which this is. Right. Um, but that didn't, it never, it never struck me that nobody was mm-hmm. being named. Like, that makes sense. It didn't have any effect on me, I guess, is all I was saying. <laughs> yeah. I would agree that it di- that I did feel a distance while reading this. So I'm not sure if it was, like, specifically because of the characters not having names or if it was just because I felt like the narrator herself was sort of distant from things because she is a person who is forgetting all of this stuff and she keeps describing you know, her heart as having holes in it, or, you know, she is is slowly, you know, becoming emptier and emptier. And I think that because of that, 
And because of like her describing a thing that she can't remember anymore, and I know what it is, and I can't, I obviously can remember it because I don't live in this universe that she lives in. Mm-hmm. That does right. put distance between me and her. Yeah. Whereas, like, if if anything, you know, I related the most to R because he was the one who still knew what everything was and was sort of like, you know, a surrogate for the reader being able to say like. This is what this is. This is what it does. Let me try to help you remember. Where she's describing, you know, at like later on in the novel, she loses, you know, the ability to use certain limbs because she can't remember that it's there, but it is there. And it's like so hard to imagine the sensation of not be of like of like knowing that your limb is there and like but like not knowing what it is. That's interesting. Why do you think they chose to tell it from the perspective of someone who is forgetting versus the character who, like, I feel like if this were an American novel, it would definitely it would be from, be from perspective. the perspective yeah. of somebody who is, like, one of the special ones who remembers. Totally. That's a really good point. Yeah, and I think, and it, sa- it says something um, similar in that um, the NPR review of the book, mm-hmm. um, where Which we will link to. Yeah, which we will link to, and yeah. we'll talk about it more later, too. But yeah. um, at, at the beginning, she says, let me just, because I thought this was really interesting. Um, uh, if the memory police were an American novel, it might yield a contrarian hero determined to fight off the tyranny of the police. It would be something akin to The Handmaid's Tale or the movie version of Minority Report. One can even envision a high-paid Hollywood actor starring in the Netflix adaptation. They're coming for your memories, but she's got a plan to stop them. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but this is a Japanese novel, so for anyone looking for thrills, I'd like to warn you that despite the tagline Orwellian on the back cover of the book, this reads much more like a surrealist drama than a yeah. science fiction thriller. Um, which, yeah, like, I think it is distinctly un-American to, to not have a quote-unquote hero at, at the center of the story. And, like, in a lot of ways, the emphasis, the protagonist emphasizes how much people in general on this island just want to get on with their lives. Yeah. Like, they're not interested in being big heroes, necessarily, and fighting back. And on the whole, people are just trying to, like, get some food at the market and cook and just like be normal. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's such a big deal that the narrator decides to hide her editor because that is sort of like stepping out. Yeah. And doing something really big and really active, very main character y. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I do wonder if, if it says something you know, about the kind of person that she is, or if it's the fact that she lost her mother to the memory police when she was very small. And so her, her taking an R is her way of, you know, making it up to her mom somehow, or, or, you know, like if that hadn't happened with her mom, would she have still been the type of person to, yeah, to hide him? Mm, Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. She's just, and I think, like, a lot of the reviews I read of this said that this book is, pa- like, described it as passive. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I guess, like, I kind of want to push against that a little bit because I think that's a simplified way of looking at what's happening in this book. But also, like, I would agree that it seems to me 
that um, this book is more just like presenting a situation rather than, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know, like an arc about like, here's a bad situation and here's how they, they like, I don't like, okay. So I've taught dystopian novels a lot. I've taught like a dystopian themed class and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. like in the traditional dystopian story arc, um, there is some sort of like hero or outsider who fights against the system that's oppressing him or her and either they succeed or they don't, but they try to fight it in some way. There's not really like a, we succeeded or we failed moment. It's just sort of like it's happening and it's continuing to happen. Yeah. It's not about overcoming the situation. It's just about, but like, does that mean that it's passive? I, so like, the NPR review that calls it a quiet, surreal mm-hmm. drama that Kelly mentioned also says, like you mentioned, Emily, that the narrator watches on as things happen because of a deep-rooted passiv- passivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep saying that the narrator is passive. And I think you're right. I mean, I would agree that, like, it's not as simple as that. And it is kind of, like, following in the dystopian tradition of, like, here's a situation. And maybe there's not a good solution. Well, and the very nature of what is happening to these people makes it harder for them to be active. Because it's almost like a hypnosis of some kind. I don't – and it's interesting that, you know, we don't get any kind of explanation for, like, how it is that these these memories are being taken away from people. But, like, you – they wake up and this memory is – is – going and gone and it's hard to fight for something that you can't remember it's that was the weirdest part to me of the whole novel is the premise that memories are disappearing people are just forgetting objects and things out of their life and there's no there's no explanation for how this is happening or why it's happening i mean i guess i assumed that the memory police and whoever is instructing them is doing this to maintain power over people, but like how? Yeah, and what? And like what kind of power? Because we were talking. I was also talking with Emily about this earlier, and that it's so different from something from something like 1984, which is about you know controlling people's like independence or like ability to think freely like and and yeah. here it's like we have yeah. things disappearing like flowers or birds or yeah. I- meanwhile uh, a novelist is still able to write novels <laughs> right and when you think of like a totalitarian government it seems like that would be like one of the, the first, first things. things to go i so like it was weirdest to me not weird i keep saying weird because i don't know how to describe this novel it is I guess, weird like, it is very weird the most not in a bad way <laughs> no not in a bad way it's just hard to like articulate what i was thinking and feeling while i was reading it i so like the the strangest most difficult to wrap my head around disappearance was probably when people's limbs started disappearing mm-hmm. but what about seasons yes yeah well i mean there's just no <laughs> way to possibly understand like how this these things i I think though birds was sort of the most telling in how it works 
Yeah. Uh Because everyone woke up one day and they thought, something's disappeared. What is it? And everybody went outside and saw all the birds flying away. And all the people who had birds as pets were like, I don't know what this thing in my house is anymore. Yeah. Guess I gotta let it go. And they Mm -hmm. were sad. Yeah. And sort of remembered this was their pet, but they just had to let it go because they knew it had disappeared. And I mean, I think that was the strangest and maybe most telling of how it happens thing to me is everyone just stopped. It's not like the objects themselves disappeared. It's just that everyone collectively unlearned what this thing is Mm -hmm. and then had to get rid of it because it was so disturbing. Yeah. She describes like having feeling like driven to burn something immediately. Yes. Mm -hmm. And not even like, oh, I know I have to do this, but almost like I don't know why I'm doing it, but I have to burn it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Like hats. <laughs> yeah. Cats. What I don't really as far as like the rules of how that works though, I don't totally understand how like the people who do remember it like with the leg, for example, like once mm-hmm. the left legs of everyone disappeared, like ours leg is fine. Yes. And she talks about being able to spot people who were hidden because they don't walk around the same way as everyone else because they still can feel their leg. Right. <laughs> and they're pretending they're not, not shifting to. their weight in the same yeah. way. And that baffles me. Like yeah. I get that I get that they're not affected by the forgetting part, but it's weird that like a physical feeling mm-hmm. doesn't affect them. Yeah, I guess it's like I mean it's like It's different from just, like, experiencing a paralysis because it's, like, they don't – they can look down at their leg and be, like, I don't know what this thing – she wakes up and she's, like, there's something attached to my hip. What is this? And, like, stares at her pants to realize, like, this thing will fit into that hole. Yeah. But I don't know (laughs) why. But there's another leg (laughs) that that she can acknowledge as her leg. So that's, like, crazy – She's like, yes, my right leg and this thing. (laughs) But it is also kind of a paralysis because she can't feel it. Right. Like, when R is touching it, she can't feel her leg. Right. She describes it as, like, you know, some, like, skin rubbing against skin or something. Which is, like, you know, if – I'm sure, like, if I had ever been paralyzed, I would know how that felt. But just, like, when – it says enough to have been shot with Novocaine and know the feeling of, like, rubbing your finger on your lip and, like, yeah. it feels <laughs> like, like I leather I feel something, or something with my finger, but not with my lip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But. <sighs> Lips disappearing would be it's, pretty well. I, and this is, this is me <laughs> wanting to, like, die on the hill of genre again, and it doesn't matter. But I wouldn't <laughs> call this, like, a science fiction novel. I'd call it magical realism with, like, some dystopian elements. Yeah. Yeah, I think sci-fi usually makes more of an attempt to, like... Be scientific? Yeah, or kind of, like, (laughs) explain some of the how behind, like, why the world is the way it is, or why the rules are the way they are. Um, Well, I think dystopian often just gets lumped into sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I think speculative fiction often gets lumped into sci-fi. Yeah. 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 
But this isn't purely dystopian because it does have that element of something Mm -hmm. happening that is not explained. But, um, yeah, this is more proof that uh, genre is dumb. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Exact same moment. I don't know if it sounded like that to you guys, but on my it end. It sounded like it to no. me. You said it the exact same It time. sounded like she said it after me to me. Oh, so okay. I, to me, I came up with it and she copied me. Well, when you edit this, make but sure. But I'll edit it so that it's together. Yeah. She copied me. Make sure to line it up. She'll put it so that hers is first and then yeah. Mary just agrees. Fine. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll put it together. It's fine. Uh, I also want to talk about Emily, you mentioned that it's what do I do? it's strange that part of the novel is that the oh, protagonist yeah. is writing a novel. Oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah, novels are not one of the novel? first things to disappear. Yeah. Um, okay. So just like from a practical standpoint, it seems weird that novels would still exist because, like, by the time that novel's published, like half the stuff and it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you got to well, get rid of those rough. books. Right. That seems rough. Like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna be sure that everything you wrote isn't gonna be forgotten before? Like, you I didn't even think about that, and now I'm like, kind of mad. Well, you fix yeah. you fix the manuscript during the reprint. That's what happens. Also, though, it's like it seemed like no mm-hmm. one was reading books. Yeah. yeah Who's she selling these books like, how, to? How is she making money? That's my question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially like. Like, okay, so can we talk about the story she's writing? So, like, I want to say, generally, in the novel, the protagonist is an author, and she is writing a novel throughout the memory police. And so, Mm -hmm. like, each, each chapter or every other chapter will get, like, the beginning is this long passage of her novel, and it's in a different font if you're reading. It's not in a different font if you're listening, so sometimes (laughs) I got very confused. It it threw me for a loop because I was like, "Whoa, it's hold on!" I was like, "Different <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one because there were some times where I was like, "Wait, who is yeah, this?" Because there's no, there's yeah. like what no indication that something's different. It's just same voice. Yes. Okay, rolling yes. on through again. <laughs> no they one's got a different narrator. I think. That yeah, been good. yeah. I feel I'm like sorry. go ahead. It was very distinctly in, in the book. Like reading it, you could very obviously tell. Because there'd also be, like, a little, like, you know, tick mark between sections or whatever. Okay, well, we didn't get that either. Yeah, they should. That's that's Audible's fault. There's, like, all these different levels. I read it on Kindle. So, like, in the print version, you get a tick mark and you get a different font. Yeah. In the Kindle version, you get a different font. In the audiobook, all (laughs) bits. Just, like, (laughs) enough that you were paying. Better listen carefully. It's a long run-on sentence. You don't know where you are. It took me, like, the second time that that came up to realize like oh this is a separate yes thing because it almost sounded like it was just something happening to her yeah the first section i was like oh okay yeah she went to typing school totally buying that like she's a writer maybe she wanted to type faster yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) it kind of makes sense when we cut away from typing school and she's like doing something else i'm like wait we didn't resolve the typing school thing like what happened you know yeah and I thought maybe it was just, at first I thought, once I realized it wasn't just, like, the same thing happening to her at the same time, I thought it was, like, mm-hmm. that was something in the 
future or something. And yeah. now we were back, like, before she was captured. Mm-hmm. And then I was, like, once she started talking more, like, oh, I was writing about a typist, but I don't know why. I was, like, Susan, you dumb dumb. That, no, I had the same experience. <laughs> this is what's I'm happening. Glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one because, like, that was very confusing. It took me a while to orient myself. I really blame the audiobook for this, yes. though, now that I yeah, know that, that is no one else had any trouble. No. <laughs> Emily and I That's were just like, what? A font, a font change would have been made all the difference. Nice. You know? A voice font change. Yeah. yeah. Read I'm it curious. in italics. Yeah. What the creative writing corner has to say about these novel excerpts uh-huh. because to me the untrained creative writer they were not good <laughs> oh really i was more interested in that story than <laughs> the other story maybe it's just like a preference thing i was just like i don't care oh no i was interested like, please get me back to this man i was like oh you can't basement. speak and you got kidnapped and he's taking your voice through the typing like that was interesting i mean it is it was an interesting story but i was less interested in it because i was like more invested in the action of the other story and i was like this is just a fake thing within this story so it has no bearing on this story see maybe if you hadn't realized it was a fake thing if i thought it was real real at first (laughs) yeah if i thought it was real then i would have been it's more shocking when you find out it's not real i I have a confession, or I have something that I need to tell you, Kelly. Like, none of this story is real. Well, I have like, a confession. No. <laughs> Did you know with novels, though, you can just make it up from nowhere? <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but, like, That's it's what like when, when you're reading something, and I'm thinking, like, in this book, this part of this book is, like, not even real in the book, you know? It's like... That never bothers me. I just... It doesn't make me care less, because I realize none of it is real. <laughs> I have a question about the timing of it. So, like, she's writing mm-hmm. that, and she, when, before novels disappear, but things are disappearing, she's still writing that. Then mm-hmm. she's supposed to keep writing in secret, but it seems like the only thing she's really able to write after novels disappear is, like, nonsense. Mm-hmm. Was this novel, like, was all of that story written already? Or is she still writing it, but not knowing what she's writing? Okay, well, what I was confused about, because, like, for the whole time I was assuming that as she was telling the story, the little excerpts that we were getting were, like, what she had written so far, you know, and then the story would continue, then she'd write more of the the novel. And then we get to the part where she can't write anything, but then, like, towards the very end, we get, like, a good chunk of her finishing the novel, and I don't know how she did that. Because she's like, it was so hard for me to finish this. Mm-hmm. Like, I t- could, I only had the use of yeah. one hand, and I <laughs> didn't know what words were, and blah blah blah. I'm like, how? Then how did you do this? Like, yeah. that didn't make any sense to me. I mean, but by the end, what was happening in the novel was what was happening to her in terms of like right. the voice. It was just happening differently, I guess. But I mean, she was losing things and like facing this like yeah. final moment of her character like lost like everything. Like, but lose, lost her voice first, and then she, like, only had her voice at the end. Yeah. So when I say the same, I mean different, but similar. <laughs> Can we talk about the end for a second? Yeah. It was really depressing. Uh, so, like, at the end of the novel, the protagonist has lost everything except her voice, and so she's a disembodied voice 
in the hidden room with R. Or that's how she sees herself anyway. Right. <laughs> she So she's from the first person, a disembodied yeah. voice in the room. And then she says, she looks down at everything. She says, you know, I've got to go now. Mm-hmm. The voice is the last thing. And then she looks down and she sees all of the objects that have been forgotten that R has saved. Because he has like a little collection going. Mm-hmm. Like all the books that he had saved away. Like some of the little treasures that they had discovered throughout the novel. And then also her bodies on the floor. Mm-hmm. And she thinks, is he going to keep my body with the other treasures? Mm-hmm. The end. Well, he leaves. Like, she hears him leave. Well, everybody else is just... Yeah, and she says she continues to disappear. But... Yeah, so she just... He leaves her down there with all the other forgotten stuff. Because there's nothing he can do. Yeah. Like... Does she keep existing for him, though? Or does she die? I think she... Well, I don't know if she dies or if she just, because like... Because shell? Well, she'll die eventually because she can't, like, feed herself and stuff, yeah. I guess. But right. she's just, her body is, like, technically alive, but I think her consciousness is gone because she can't... Because nothing exists to her, right? Not even yeah, herself. She should really take her somewhere. <laughs> my, my sort of logical question is if everybody who is able to forget things that disappear has sort of forgotten that they are a body Mm -hmm. and are presumably going to die. And so if people are hiding, like are, you know, it's safe to come out because everybody's unable to do anything. Do the memory police police forget things? They can't because otherwise how would they be able to get rid of stuff? How would they be able to identify? Would they just, I mean, I guess they could say like, that's a thing. I don't know what it is. No, I I don't think the memory police forget things. And I think that her point was that R could leave because the memory police had already, like everyone had already forgotten everything and the memory police had nothing left to collect. Mm -hmm. So they could leave. What is their end so then, goal? That's my like, question. What, what happens once... Like, why not just kill everybody? <laughs> yeah, faster and less painfully and miserably. It's, it, it's you know, it's surreal. It's a, it's a parable. It's not supposed to but be... But I, yeah, I, mean, I still want to know what the goal is. Yeah. Like, half, half of my mind says, this is a really good novel that makes you reflect on a situation or, like, possibilities and sort of, like, the terrifying nature of oppressive governments and how important memory is. It's, like, a nice reflection on memory and loss. And it made me feel things. And when I ended the novel, part of me thought... That was, like, a really good way to end, and there's something really beautiful about our leaving this confinement and the narrator just kind of, like, disappearing as a voice and feeling free from all of this loss. But then the other part of me is, like, but I also want to know right. logically yeah. what happened, which we can't do, right? Like, we can't read beyond the novel it's or, like, real. always get a conclusion like that. Nothing happens. But it's not real. It ends. 
I love how Emily is constantly reminding just, us, just, like, guys, fiction these is are fake. things I wonder Just about. so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, but, I mean, like, it, it, it's worth talking about here because, like, I think, and this happens a lot with books that are using, um... I don't want to say science fiction, but like fantasy elements, fantastical elements to make a point mm-hmm. that's not related to mm-hmm. the fantastical elements. It's like, um, yeah. it doesn't have to like make logical sense because that's not the point. It is, I, I mean, I took it to be like what you're saying, Mary, it's a reflection on memory and loss mm-hmm. and sort of like what sort of value those things have in our lives and effect they have on our lives. Um, so it doesn't really matter that it doesn't, like, logically make sense or that, like, the memory police, like, I don't understand what the memory police want because that's not the point. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way with, like, Mm -hmm. Never Let Me Go. A lot of people, like, and like, Never Let Me Go is one of my favorite books. And a lot of people um, criticize that book because they're like, well, the clone stuff doesn't make sense. Like, why are they doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not the fucking point of the book. Yeah. The point of the book is to, like, explore what it means to be human, and so, like, mm-hmm. I'm not cursing at y'all for asking that question. I'm cursing at people no, who ask that about Never Let Me Go, because yeah. I'm very sensitive about that book. But, like, in general, like, that's just sort of, like, my stance in, on stuff like that is, like, it doesn't matter because it's a book, and, like, that's not what the author's trying to... That's not what the author is exploring yeah. here. That's It's not a science fiction book yeah. because that's not the purpose of this. If this were a science fiction book in the realist sense, then the why and the how would matter. Yeah. I mean, I'm not it concerned about yes. the how, really. I'm a lot more concerned about the why. And that's, like, the thing that, that gets me, like – that makes it hard for me to like fully because like when I st- when I start to think about the story, it's like if you think about it too hard, it falls apart, you know, and like it's it's hard to when you're trying to think of it on like a critical level to not, you know, ask those questions, so, which doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the book because I did. But yeah. um, it is something that frustrates me. I'm not criticizing it because I don't know the answer to that question, but when I think about both what the author is exploring and just what it makes me think about, those are the questions that I still, that still come to mind Mm -hmm. first. And I don't need to know the answer necessarily, but like, I, when I think about it, I do kind of think like, okay, like if we took this further, then like what would happen? Um, something you think about yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not saying like oh I'm knocking a star off because I don't find out the answer or anything yeah. I just I kind of want to know yeah <laughs> I want that book I also think that because the book is called the memory police and like there is so, so much emphasis on the memory police themselves and like the the scary building that they're in and the things that they wear and like you know seeing them around it's like you know I do like, question what the whole point of it is. Well, and part of the reason that I think this gets the tag Orwellian is not just because, like, it's an authoritarian government, but because, like, the thought police and the memory police are two Mm -hmm. really similar-sounding organizations. (laughs) And, like, while they do different things, there is is 
element in 1984 where, like, their history gets True. erased and rewritten based mm-hmm. on whoever's in power at the time, which that is kind of similar to what's happening here, although we don't know, mm-hmm. like, who's in power or why. But, like, yeah. that's, I think, why I want to ask those questions, because A, 1984 is my favorite novel of all time. And B, I think, like, the idea of controlling people's thoughts, mm-hmm. which includes memory, I guess, like, that mm-hmm. makes me ask so many more questions. And I like to think about that stuff, as scary as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, same. Orwell did it better, though, I guess, if we're comparing. I don't think you can really call it Orwellian. It's not really the same type of book. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think they're doing different things. And also, like, Orwell, you know, did this part, that particular story first. Also, you can't just, too. like, slap Orwellian so. on anything dystopian because it's not, that's not what that means. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, like, it's, I think I'm having a marketing issue. <laughs> With the book. It's not an issue with the book, it's an issue with the marketing. That's what that's what uh like publishers do is they mm-hmm. take a book, they t- they find a list of books. Literally, like when we get here's a little publishing info for yeah, you. Tell us. Um when I behind the scenes when I get like the information for a book that I'm gonna do a cover for, there's a sheet that has like the plot description, you know, the price, the author, and then at the bottom of the sheet it has like like comparable titles and then it gives you like four or five books that are you know similar or like that you should use to describe what this book is like and so it's kind of it's like this issue that we've talked about with Gone Girl where it's like every single thriller on the back of it says like the next Gone Girl when literally the only thing it has in common with Gone Girl is that there is a woman in it and it's a thriller (laughs) yeah Sherry Lepina (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying his name gets slapped on a lot of things that are dystopian in a lot of different ways. You're right. That have nothing to do with (laughs) that. Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. And I find that a similar thing is happening now with like The Handmaid's Tale. Now that it's like a show, people are constantly saying that, oh, this is like The Handmaid's Tale. And then Margaret Atwood said, hold my beer. (laughs) Yeah. You know what's like The Handmaid's Tale? The sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale 2. <laughs> Back in the Habit. <laughs> I hope that's what it's called. <laughs> Back in the oh Habit? God, the Back in the Habit! <laughs> oh, oh, no. Uh. <laughs> no. If, if we, like, had multiple t-shirts with, like, things on them... Back in the Habit would be... <laughs> that would be one of them. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale 2, yeah. Back in the Habit. Back in the Habit. <laughs> it would need to be that whole yes. name. Yes. Yeah. I. The last thing I'm sort of thinking about, as we're thinking about, like, what is this novel about? Or what does it reflect upon? A lot of critics, including uh, the New York Times article that I mentioned when we first started talking about this book, which we will link, um... A lot of critics have said that even though this book came out in 1994, it is eerily similar to current events. And I agree. (laughs) 
Not not in a yeah. r- literal sense. It's not like the memory police are coming to our houses or anything, but sort of the general feel right. of it of, uh, you know, like regulations being put on people to drive them apart mm-hmm. in some sense. Well, oppression is timeless. I don't know. I mean, I just, I wonder, I wondered what you guys thought about it, thinking, like reading this book in 2019, knowing it was written in 1994. Do you think it was, like, looking ahead a little bit, or is this just something that history falls into repeatedly? History does fall into it repeatedly, I think. But also, in terms of, like, America today, um, I couldn't help but think about, like, the way information is disseminated and Mm -hmm. presented to different groups of people by different groups of people, and, like, that will almost give you sort of like a different memory of a way something happened because here's how the story was told to yeah. you. And so now you mm-hmm. remember that event this way. Um, and I, I know obviously since this was written in 1994, that's not like what the intention probably was, but that is like a way yeah. that I think this is still applicable right now here on this island. <laughs> on this island america <laughs> not an island i know i know yeah. america's not an island don't um, email me yeah and i mean i think <laughs> this metaphorical island <laughs> i think can you imagine if someone actually emailed us actually, actually. Like, um, uh, like really this is what you actually, give us with listener feedback uh, about when we ask so nicely for you to it, give it to us about books really isn't everything an island if you zoom oh, yeah. out enough hey write yeah. that book mary Earth is an island. Earth is an island, man. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, Earth is an island, dude. <laughs> I was going to say that I also see um, similarities or like an echo thinking about, you know, the NSA and, you know, feeling unsafe in the, even just the things that you know or the things that you talk about and not even um, – like your actions or whatever, but just like, you know, we're, we're outside talking about Mm -hmm. this thing and we shouldn't like be careful and stuff like that. And, um, and also obviously with people, you know, breaking in and in the middle of the night and taking people Mm -hmm. away, it's, you know, we have the constant like immigration crisis going on and ice like being shitheads and ruining people's lives. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, like, reading it, the most that I, like, the most obvious parallel is to the Holocaust, especially with hiding families and um, things like that. But I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that um, it was, it was just happenstance that she wrote this and it turned out that these things would, because I think, like, literally at any time, I think you're right that history kind of repeats these same awful patterns over and over again and... We're fucked, so. This feels eerily similar to, I taught uh, a specific Japanese poet in class this week. Uh, her name's Saga Chika, and it's you know, Friday before Labor Day holiday, all the kids are pumped, and I was just like, here's this poem, what do we think, like, what do we get out of this poem? And they're like, it's depressing! The message of the poem is the world sucks and we can't die, so we just have to live in it! <laughs> And I was like, great. Okay. And like, it just got more and more depressing. And by the end, I was just like, have a great day. 
And so now this feels like... <laughs> well, you chose huh? the poem. I did. You chose I love the, the poem. poem. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> um, so now I feel like I've been like, here's this depressing novel that is a meditation on grief and loss and how we, history is doomed to repeat itself. What did you rate it? <laughs> <laughs> that was perhaps the greatest way to transition into I mean, also, if we have anything rating. else we want to talk about, we can talk about it. Well, I'm going to, I'll go first. I have, if we're going to go into ratings, should I? Okay. Um, I'm just going to go with my gut because yeah, sure. as I told everyone before we started recording, I finished this a solid two minutes before. So this fresh. is friggity fresh <laughs> on my mind. And I'm going to give it a three. Um, I don't know if that'll change after I sit with it longer. But this is like, I normally don't really like speculative type stuff as much but like I really liked the concept of this and sort of how timeless it it is and mm-hmm. yeah I also kind of like that it was a meditation like on on writing and create like the creative oh, yeah. process as well in, in addition to memory and loss and all of that jazz so yeah even though you didn't know even though I wasn't sure audiobook. at first what was happening <laughs> Novel in a novel wise. It's okay. Again, I did not know either. We're in this no, boat together. I, I would not have it's known. It's an audiobook but problem. But hey, some of my favorite Shakespeare has got the play within a you play guys thing write going on. So, I mean, oh, I, yeah, I, but I, I they dig tell it. us that that's happening. I don't hate it. So, I just, I so. do think though that like it, it's not, it's not the, it's not the type of book I usually gravitate toward. But so I liked it actually more than I thought I was going to when I first started it, which is good. So three. That's good. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'll go. Go. This is Kelly. Hey. And I am also going to give it a three, I think. I, if I could, I would give it a three and a half. Um, but yeah, I think I, I really, I liked it a lot and I loved the idea and I like found it, um, pleasurable to read just like the way that, the way that it read was like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but. It was nice. I liked it. Um, I think I just didn't ever quite, um, like, fully connect to it. And I think that that is what is stopping me from giving it a higher score. Yeah. Score rating. <laughs> That's I feel like three is a pretty good rating, yeah. honestly. Three is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also gave it a three. This is Emily. Yay. Um, I... Do not ever mind when things are depressing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me neither. I mean, I let's just go on the record to say undergrad students will always complain if shit is depressing. That's true. But they're Welcome wrong. to being alive, bitches. I think yeah. they haven't older, been crushed uh, by life yet. I think they complain because, like, yeah, they just haven't realized how terrible life is. And when you realize that life is terrible, you don't really want to read about happy things because that seems false and you can't really identify with that Most books are um, not and happy. also when you've been through shit you don't want to read about people being happy yeah. you just don't yeah yeah most things are not happy guys okay also that happiness for the is undergrads not interesting yeah happiness isn't interesting <laughs> exactly uh we want to read about i mean it's like bachelor in paradise 
Would we watch Bachelor in Paradise if everyone just coupled up and was happy? No. no. As soon mm-hmm. as they do that, we stop paying attention to them. Well, and the show stops paying attention to them. <laughs> yeah. They don't even, yeah. like, show those people anymore. They're just like... Right. And are you the exactly. one? You go straight to the honeymoon house. <laughs> Which is the best yeah. solution. Um, anyway, Get the fuck out. <laughs> all that saying, I agree with everything everyone said already about it. Um, I really enjoyed the premise this is the type of thing that i would like reading usually um but i don't know like i guess like i'm giving it a three because it just it didn't get expanded on like in a way that i thought was like the most interesting like sometimes it felt like a little too, like, meditative. Mm. Like, I wanted a little bit more to happen, I guess. Yeah. It lacked momentum. Yes. Um, and I guess maybe that's just me, the American reader, right. wanting <laughs> somebody to do something. I don't know. That's blame America, blame Donald Trump. I don't know. I don't know if this is the first time this has ever happened, but I also gave it a three. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Three is all around. I, we yeah. hate gum and we gave this book a three. Let's go. If I, <laughs> if I could give half stars, I might give it a three and a half. I really enjoyed it and I too found it pleasurable to read. But yeah. I mean, it, I found it pleasurable to read. Yeah, I thought the writing yeah, was way, really pretty like, in places and like, but not too pretty, you know, not mm-hmm. too much for yeah. me. It wasn't like flowery. Yeah. And, I, and this is totally the type of book I would like to read. And it made me think like when I was in high school, I used to read like there, I was like kind of into some Japanese novels and thought I was super hip and cool because of that, because I was a dumb teenager. <laughs> um, but this made me think like there are so many great novels out there that are in translation and mm-hmm. just like made me remember that like it's cool that everybody all around the world is writing and yeah even though we don't always get to see it i know even though their husbands don't know about it (laughs) translated books to read on here so i i enjoyed reading it but i did like i felt like there was something that i could have connected with more and i just don't know what it was but i did enjoy it and i would recommend other people to read it too yeah especially if you want like a more leisurely reflective experience like you can take your this can be like a slow read like you can yeah. read it mm-hmm. before bed for 15 minutes mm-hmm. here and there but maybe it's read it like you so have to like zip right through you can see the font change because that would be yeah. so confusing yeah now that i know that i'm gonna go ahead and recommend you read it Don't with your eyeballs yeah. <laughs> truly i love read that you guys listen to audiobooks so much because it lets me think about audiobooks because I'm always wanting to know how audiobooks are because I am so picky about them. Yeah, I, you know, my reading is always about half and half. I usually have a like heart, like an actual book going on while I'm listening to an audiobook. So sometimes I listen to audiobooks, sometimes I don't for the podcast. It just kind of depends on like where I am in my reading cycle. Yeah. So, yeah. I almost always do, but it's because I usually read my like other fun books like read read and when i have two at a time i have to have like one of each separate them yeah not that these aren't fun books i'm just saying yeah yeah the ones that i like pick up in the store (laughs) where i'm like ooh, you're not having fun here Uh, i've been meaning to talk to you (laughs) you can get out you know how many you know how many people would love to have your job this this is a job (laughs) job (laughs) 
Hey, everyone who just heard that, in case that made you get the impression that I'm getting paid and you could take my job and get paid for this, you can't. Or that any of us are getting paid. Please don't get excited. Wait, y'all aren't getting paid? If I wasn't having fun, I wouldn't do it because I'm not getting paid. I'm getting paid. If you would like to pay us. Any revenue we have ever made from donations and or t-shirt sales have gone directly back into the podcast. Yeah. So this is a I nonprofit. Yeah. yeah. So that being said, of course I'm having fun because I wouldn't do it if I wasn't <laughs> having fun and not getting paid. And two, if you want to pay us, we are open to that. So yeah. Yeah. Blue so Apron, open. if you're out there. We'll advertise some bullshit we don't Casper. care about at all. Or Casper. you. Uh, no, we don't, sh- <laughs> we care about all of you guys. <laughs> I have a Casper mattress. I will tell you about it if I get paid to do it. Otherwise, nope. <laughs> Casper is like the it. dream uh, sponsor at this point. Yeah. Or Squarespace, which we also See, use. <laughs> we could come up. We use Squarespace. Yeah. We could come I up also subscribe like to Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot, I don't know if you do this type of thing, but like I will hook you up with some... I'll tell you guys all about the meals I'm making. Mm-hmm. Not until I get paid, though. Our reviews are on lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) You have to pay to get access. Yeah. Um, So if you want to ask us anything about the book, tell us anything about the book or offer us money, you can email us at thesquad at booksquadgoals. Don't ask me about my Casper mattress, though, unless you don't pay me. Don't you dare. piece of feedback a piece <laughs> a piece a piece a of feedback slice. like a little slice of cake um <laughs> from taylor who responded to us on facebook about cersei and taylor we don't know where you're from so you know feel free to let us know and we'll give you a shout taylor out from phone. facebook land. yeah somewhere in <laughs> facebook land which i disappeared earlier so yeah <gasps> so we don't even have this feedback thanks kelly skip no <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I will go ahead and read it. Taylor said that she read Cersei. I asked uh, who read Cersei, what did you think about it? And Taylor said, I did. Once she got shut out on the island, I adored the book. She was real whiny at first, and I got pretty grouchy (laughs) because I was promised a badass bitch. Well, look, she was pretty grouchy, too. She got there, though, even if the ending weirded me out a little. I read Song of Achilles hoping that it would be wonderful in all sorts of ways that, like Cersei was. While it was enjoyable, I didn't have as many feelings about it. It was a gay romance, which is needed and good in and of itself. However, it kind of fell flat in comparison. I loved watching Cersei become a character, whereas I felt like all I got out of Patroclus was a dude in love with Achilles who just grew into a jerk. <gasps> I'm reading that right now, and I disagree. I disagree. Well, well, we'll see how you feel about it. Yeah, I'll get back to you, Taylor. I'm like, follow up. I'm probably 75% of the way through and I'm loving it. So. Okay, cool. I want to read that. Because I want to read that too. Yeah. I'm curious about it. And I have a plane ride tomorrow, so I'm probably going to finish it on the plane. I'm really excited. I, I get a lot of reading accomplished on planes. And Susan's always on planes because she's our jet setter. It's true. No, just recently I've been forced to be on planes a lot. <laughs> I don't like like planes. You like traveling though. Mm. Yeah, but like I'm going to Cleveland tomorrow, so like 
Cleveland's cool. No, I am excited about this conference. I'm just saying, like, I'm going to Ohio, so don't get excited. I'm not like... Yeah, fuck you, Ohio. (laughs) Okay, I can say that I'm from the Midwest. So it's like, I can hate on... They're all the same. Yeah. Um, what's on the blog? Rehabs. (laughs) We got Ari the one. Bachelor in Paradise never again. So get your Bachelor in Paradise now because we've already... We're, we're throwing in the towel after this. We're never again doing Bachelor in Paradise. It's just too much content. Yeah, too and much that's, yeah, that's like It's meant to be just looked at. Just <laughs> let it wash over you. Don't try to think about it too yeah. much. <laughs> like, if you try to make sense of it, you will go insane, which is what's happening to us right now. Like, Yeah, Emily and I have lost it. Absolutely gone batshit at this point so and ben is gonna lose it right this week, yeah so. ben is guessing on this recap. oh yeah oh my god excited to have him he does not know how awful it truly is so this will be good i want it to be good but i don't want it to be better than me you know what i mean it'll just be different yeah you know bachelor historian you know ben trust different me guy. he truly is he like he's different neutral in his own way <laughs> <laughs> Also, as of this uh, recording, we are eagerly awaiting the last episode of Are You The One? The last two. We have two more episodes as of this recording. The last two mm-hmm. episodes of Are You The One, which Emily yeah. is recapping. Um, that I will continue recapping until I'm blue in the face, because I love Are You The One! It's great. It's great. Great show. So you're blue in the fingers <laughs> yep. from typing. Um, I have two blog posts up right now. I don't think I mentioned the Superstore one last time, but I have written a blog post about the comedy Superstore and how it really smartly talks about immigration and class. And I also have a blog post, five things you can do here at the end of the summer to wrap up your good summer times. Did you talk about your um, Los Espookies post? I don't know, but if I, you know, if you didn't read my Los Espookies post, go read it and watch the show because it is wonderful. Basically, my blog posts are just me trying to get people to watch TV shows. <laughs> what is the point of a blog otherwise? <laughs> um, my, that's I do that with just podcasts, yeah. so it's the same, yeah. same technique. I have started my uh, 10 weeks of Spooktober project in which I watch yes! 10 new-to-me horror movies over the coast over the course of 10 weeks leading up to October. So at this point, there will be two on the blog already. The first one was Ready or Not. The second one was Malevolent. Mary, you saw both of these movies with me. One was better than the other. And to know which one, you gotta read. That's true. Which one you have to read and find I'm out. I'm excited. I like literally the other night, Todd and I just sat and recommended movies to Emily for like forever. Horror movies. <laughs> now it's like 30 weeks of Spooktober. Yeah. Well, let me know if you want a it goes to January on any no, of those because fine. I always need an excuse to watch more horror movies. Yeah. Well, my next one is going to be it. So anyone yes, who wants yes, in on that. Yes. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to see that. Yeah, I'm going to see it too. Well, so. If you want in on that, I'm going to go see it on Friday, and it's going to be my one for next week, so. Okay. Something to think about doing this Maybe weekend. Maybe I'll see it on Friday, too. That sounds I'm good. I'm going to see if I can get that done, though it is my birthday weekend. Why would you not go see a movie on your birthday weekend? 
Because I have a party and then I'm going to a concert. On during a the day. day? No, I guess I could go to a movie during the day. I like day. going to movies during the day because it's cheaper and... I'll probably be hungover, though. <sighs> a perfect time to go to a movie. Like, what is That's the problem true. here? Get to sit in the dark and eat This snacks. has been a weekend plans corner with Emily and Kelly. Yes. Yeah, there's always... My point is there's always time to go to a movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> never true. a bad time to I go to a movie. Um, unless it's too late at night because I will go to sleep. That's where I struggle as well. Especially now that we go to the theater with the new recliner. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm straight up. It could be middle of the I turn day on that heat on the recliner and then I'm like, ooh, cozy. It has a heater? It has uh, We got YA Book Club, too, Mary. You want to talk about YA yeah, Book Club? Yeah, YA Book Club should be up. We have talked about the novel Warcross. Warcross. By Marie Lou. Cool. On our next episode, we have a special spooky episode. Ooh. Where we will be talking about the Shirley Jackson classic, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And we will have special guests, Lisa Kroger and Melanie Anderson. They are the authors of the new quirk book, Monster, She Wrote, which takes a look at women in the horror genre. So we're very excited to have them talk with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be super fun and get us right in the mood. For spooky Spooks-tober. season. Spooks-tober. Mm-hmm. Spooks-tober. What's our next book, Susan? Our next book is Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. Is it Leanne or Leanne, you guys? I think it's Leon. actually. Whoa. Fuck. Uh, door number three. <laughs> what a next twist. Book, I'm starting over. Our next book is Nine Perfect Strangers by Leon Moriarty. <laughs> I mean, that's how they said it at when at my publishing company when we were publishing her. But oh, y'all probably know better be than I do. I just looked at it and was like, Leanne is the closest it thing might, I've seen. It might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you might know that name or one of her names like that as the author Any pronunciation. of Big Little Lies. Oh, yeah. So um, this is a different book. And it is about a novelist, again, (laughs) Uh uh-oh, theme, Um, who goes to, like, a retreat type thing with some other people, I assume nine others or eight others, (laughs) for a total of nine (laughs) strangers. Um, And it sounds like it might be kind of culty. Oh, I always love a cult. There's some weird stuff going on, but who knows what it is, but it sounds kind of culty, and I really like Mm -hmm. cults. And I really like suspense, and I'm like really excited about this. I yeah, look, it's gonna be fun. I want to burst anybody's bubble, but I did just buy it via Kindle, and the cover looks like the cover of Born. Well, oh yeah, it does. I've I have it. It's pretty. I will say that the cover of this book is bad. That's my professional opinion. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. Yikes. Hey, I didn't. I didn't pick it for the cover because that would be shallow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I uh, – I've never – I never do that. Right, of course. <laughs> Why would I ever – It's like ridiculous. the born cover. Why would you say that I would do that, Susan? I don't know. I'm saying you're shallow. <laughs> Leon Moriarty. Yeah. So, yeah, please read along with us or listen along or however you like to take in your books. 
smell along if you want. I don't know. That might not work. Yeah. And on that note, you should contact us if you have anything to say. Like I said earlier, our email address is thesquad at booksquadgoals.com. We are on social media at booksquadgoals, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are a podcast. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> what? Um, I know it's like kind of crazy. I can't believe we haven't said that. Um, in all, you know, 60 however many episodes we've had. But yeah, this is actually a podcast. And oh my god. I know. And you can subscribe to it uh on any podcast app that you listen to stuff on, even Spotify, which we managed to get onto even though Spotify is very elitist about who <gasps> Hey, that mean we're don't good. Piss them off now that we're finally on there. <laughs> hey, we're on Spotify. That means we're good. What? But what I really wanted to say was please leave a rating and review for us to get us ranked even higher. Maybe we can even break 1,000 at some point. That'd be great. Um, But yeah, please review five stars. Love us. Subscribe to us. Send us feedback. Follow us on all the social media. Um, Yeah. That's all the things, right? Did I miss something? No. I think you covered it. Besides call us at home. I mean, that's like all of it, I think. (laughs) My cell phone number is. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't ever talk to me. (laughs) 